and welcome to another episode of The Mediocre Writer. It's been a while since I've given you all a new episode, so I thought what better topic to cover than how to engage your audience. Now, I'm not talking about engaging through marketing. We'll cover that in a separate episode. Specifically today, I want to talk about engaging an audience through your writing, from the start of your story to its conclusion. What really matters here is that from page one, you're hooking your audience into the story. Otherwise, the other 500 pages you've written, they're going to be worthless. No one's going to ever read them if you don't get them on the first page, and honestly, even in the first sentence in many cases. Usually, a screener, an agent, they're going to know within a couple paragraphs, less than a page usually, if they want to continue reading your story or not. So that's why you really want to hone this skill of grabbing the audience. You may have great ideas, but you need to be able to put them on the page in a way that's very compelling. And it's a little abstract what I'm talking about right now, but um, and it's honestly something that me and I think just about every writer struggles with, is figuring out exactly how to convey our ideas, tell our stories in a way that really hook people in um, from the first sentence and continue to engage them with each, uh, with each successive sentence. There's no, I, I think, surefire way to do it, but there are definitely a, a few exercises and tips I have that have helped me sort of work on this skill and build it and be able to make better stories because of them. So I'm going to walk you through the things I do to help me out. And um, hopefully by the end of this, you'll have a few takeaways that you can apply to your writing, if only just to try them out and see if they help you. I think these will make really great um, exercises as you approach whatever scenes and stories you're working on. So my first tip is one I've said a thousand times. I'll say it one more time here, but uh, with a little more specific detail that that applies to this particular topic, and that is to engage your audience through conflict. Every scene in your stories needs to have an intention and an obstacle. If you haven't heard me describe this before, it's something that Aaron Sorkin talks about a lot. Intention is whatever the character or characters in the scene want, and the obstacle is whatever is in their way. And so for every scene that you write, you really do need to make sure that there is a want, there is an obstacle. And you'll be surprised how many scenes, especially in early drafts, are missing one or both of these elements. A lot of times, uh, writers are really focused on sort of that big picture. And so what you end up doing is you write lots of exposition just to get it on the page so that it's there and, and people know it. But when you want, when you step back and as uh, as a reader look at this scene and go through it, you realize there's nothing really compelling here. It's just giving you details without any tension, without any conflict. So make sure that conflict is always present. The conflict doesn't have to be physical. These don't have to all be action sequences. Don't don't do the uh, the Marvel thing and just throw in an action scene because it's been a little while since we've seen one. Um, these can be the, the, it can be very much more philosophical. It could be more uh, mental and emotional. Um, it could be that the characters are having an argument. It could be that they're just simply trying to uncover more information and perhaps something's in their way. Maybe they can't solve the puzzle. Maybe the person they're trying to interrogate or get information from is, is putting up a wall that they can't seem to cross um, to get what they need. There always needs to be something in their way. And the reason for it is because we want to see how they get out of it. We're always, as an audience, trying to figure out how the character is going to solve the case, how they're going to get past this next thing in their way, how they're going to beat the bad guy. And so scene for scene, you want to create that tension. You want to create that question of like, how is this going to work out? And you may not know the answer as the writer right away. This may be your first time coming into that scene. You may be in a scene that you completely didn't know was going to be there, but something has organically kind of brought you to it. And my advice is always follow that instinct, always be paying attention to the conflict and what's compelling you as the writer. And hopefully that will compel the reader as well. 
And as you go through those revisions, as you work through your stories, you're probably going to find a couple scenes that, you know, something's missing. And it's usually the intention, the obstacle, or both. So really look and analyze for that conflict. Make sure that it's always present, that there's always something the character is really trying to accomplish. Even if they don't accomplish it, they just, they're trying. That's the important part. That's what connects us to the characters. And honestly, it connects us more when they don't get it. So don't always give them a free pass. Sometimes it's frustrating too. Um, another uh, example, and this uh, sort of comes back to conflict in a way, but I think it's more of its own point, is to always start your scene in the action, in the conflict, in the battle. Uh, advice one of my classmates in my screenwriting class gave me yesterday was um, start late and leave early with every scene that you write. And I think that's really, really important. A lot of writers feel they need to load it up with lots of exposition, explaining. I've done this a million times. Um, but as you revise, as you kind of work through these ideas in your head, you're going to start to realize a lot of that um, explaining, a lot of that setup doesn't need to be there. Oftentimes, you can just start right in the action and let it play out and then explain everything kind of in motion. So anything that needs to be, um, any, any information that needs to be conveyed to the reader, you can convey it more effectively in more, more interesting ways when it's tied to the action, when it's tied to them trying to overcome the obstacle. Um, some real world examples, my personal favorite example, I don't know if it's my favorite example, but it's definitely one I look to a lot, is really any of the Game of Thrones books. Every chapter in every Game of Thrones book has almost the exact same formula. It follows a specific character from sort of a limited point of view. Um, it could be Daenerys, could be Jon Snow, whoever it is, you follow that character and you'll start off the chapter in the middle of some kind of action. They're trying to solve some kind of problem. They're under attack, something's under siege, they're in a very dangerous situation or a very dangerous game or they're afraid they're about to get betrayed. You know you know how Game of Thrones works. So something is like in motion, you're kind of catching them in that moment and you follow them through that moment, things get resolved in some way, they get a little bit of downtime. It's been a while since we've seen this character. If, if you read Game of Thrones, you kind of follow each character for a chapter. You leave them for a little bit, follow some of the other characters, go back to them 50, 100 pages later. And so in that span of pages, some stuff has happened. So that downtime after the action happens, after you've been kind of hooked into that scene, is the time where they do a little bit more exposition. They kind of walk you through what's happened, how it's tied to the current situation they're in. So instead of just putting all that at the beginning, walking you through all the steps they did to get to where they are, you just bring them right to the exciting place. At that point, now you've got your audience hooked, so they're a little more interested in getting their questions answered. Why did this happen this way? What were they trying to accomplish? Then you, you, you uh, George R. R. Martin's pretty smart about letting you, leading you in and giving you all these questions so that now when they're being answered, you're more interested rather than answering your questions before they came up. Um, I hope that makes sense. And then he always ends with a cliffhanger, of course. So then you're hooked for coming back to the next chapter um, where you're once again going to be given a small time jump and you go through the same rinse and repeat cycle. Um, very effective, though. Like, I don't have any problem with the way he does it. I think that's an expert way to do it. And it's one I've tried to apply to my writing to some extent, too. Um, so again, try to start late in the action, leave early. Um, I'll even give you an example that I used. Uh, this was kind of a fun one, but it was for a script... I was writing that never made it into anything, but the idea was it was a couple of characters in college and I wanted them to, embarrassingly enough, they were gonna play a game that we used to play in college and the game is called The Disgusting Game. And I'll explain what it is. You're probably already interested now. 
But originally in the scene, I had them have a scene where the roommates are all gathered together and one of them's trying to convince the others to play the game, which is what happened in real life. Somebody brought this to the table and we were all like, oh, I okay, well, maybe try it. And everybody's kind of going back and forth of what they want to do. I was, But then I read, as I was coming up with this script, I actually read a book from David Mamet, which covered this topic of start your scenes by cutting the introduction. Whatever you wrote, go back, cut out the introduction, try to start it from like chapter two. So that's what, so then I went back and I thought, wouldn't it be more fun if instead of having this scene where they try to convince each other to play the game, they're just already in the middle of the game. And so instead of having all this setup where you learn all the rules in scene one, you kind of learn the rules on the go. So it was more fun to put them in this game. And the whole game was they have to compete with these dares. Like everybody agrees on a dare. They play a game where they maybe have to shoot baskets or something or uh, whatever the game may be. And if you lose, you then have to do the dare that was agreed upon. So you just started off and the one player has already lost. He's doing a dare. You're like, why is he doing this dare? Why, why is he putting uh, <laughs> an ice pack into his pants and standing there while everybody else like records them on their phones? Uh, and that was, I and mean, that was what really happened. But <laughs> now you, you don't, you kind of have, you come into the scene with a million questions and you're watching this character suffer and you're like, why is this happening? And as they continue to play the game, you start to see how the rules work, um, how they come up with the dares, how they agree on the dares, and then what they have to do to try to survive. Um, because if the whoever comes in last place is the one that has to do the dare. And so that's all things you would learn along the way. So hopefully that really dumb example helps. I, I think it's, it's fun to apply to really any situation to make it more interesting. So my next tip to keeping your audience engaged is to focus on perspective. Um, be thinking every time you come into a scene whose perspective it's from. Is it going to be first person from your main character? Is it going to be sort of a limited view from a specific main character? So third person, but still you only get the information that they know is what I'm referring to there. Or are you going to have like a, a narrator giving the detail? In which case you can make your narrator a very compelling character as well. Whoever is giving the perspective, let all the information and detail that we get come from the eyes of that character. Let us focus in on how that character is interpreting things. What this accomplishes is allows you to put some extra layers on what you're writing. So instead of it just being sensory details like, oh, it was hot, it was, you know, it, was a, it was a desert, it was dry, focus on the character. It was, you know, it's not just hot, it's causing the character to perspire. It's causing the character to feel faint. He starts feeling dizzy. He starts seeing things. Allow us to kind of get in the headspace of the character. And you can see, you know, it's, it's a pretty baseline example, but it was already getting a little bit more interesting once you get in their headspace. Are they starting to see visions? Are they starting to fatigue? You're starting to worry about the character. How are they going to get out of this? Are they going to get out of this? Is somebody going to rescue them? Uh, when you're focused on how they're interpreting everything. The sand is hot. It starts burning their feet. Uh, allow us to really feel what the character's feeling. Is it, a, is it a horror scene, you know? Do we feel like that tension as they open the door and they don't know what's on the other side? We feel like the chill crawling up their spine. We feel the goosebumps riding up their arms. Use lots of verbs. Um, what this accomplishes is not only puts you in the scene and makes it more immersive, it allows you also to learn more about the character. So again, adding those layers, you're gaining more uh, through less words. You're, you're really utilizing your real estate here. You're not just telling us what the scene is and trying to immerse us. You're also telling us this character is very afraid of small spaces or um, this character is, you know, this character may start like rationalizing with themselves, you know, like this is, you know, this is fine. I'm going to keep going. You see maybe their stubbornness or their tenacity um, or you see that maybe they don't make great decisions when they're under pressure. You know, you, you reveal something through how they're interpreting the, sti this, interpreting the stimuli. 
you know, do how do they look on uh, these characters that they pass on the street? They pass a homeless person. How does that person, how does that main character of yours interpret the homeless person? Do they see them and feel a sense of pity and want to help out? Do they look at them and look at them like they're the scum of the earth and treat them poorly? These are going to reflect on your character. So you're not only learning, hey, this world has poverty and, and people are struggling. You learn that our character feels this way about this situation in their particular world. You're learning the world. You're learning the character. Hopefully by now I've beaten the, the, the point dead. So hopefully that, that gives you an idea um, to use in your writing. My next tip is to use what's called sequences. Now, this is more specific from stuff I've learned in my screenwriting class, but I found it can also be applicable to other forms of writing, but it is a little bit more tied to script, and you'll see why in a moment. Um, but my next recommendation is to use what's called um, sequences. And what sequences are, are essentially a string of scenes that are uh, narratively tied together in a way that they almost form their own uh, three-act structure. It probably already sounds a little complex, but once I break it down, it's, 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 not, it's not that crazy. Um, but imagine you're watching a movie and you're in sort of the, the vague middle ground, the act two. You've had your act one, which is pretty, usually pretty straightforward. Movies very, very rarely divert on the act one. It's just set up the character, establish the stakes, incite the, the story, get the character to make a decision that's going to set them in motion. That's your act one, very simply. Your act three is usually pretty simple too. The characters just come from their lowest low and now they reach the climax where they have to make a decision, they have to beat the bad guy, they have to solve the mystery, they have to do something. They're, they're faced with everything you've built up in the story. Most writers are pretty familiar with where the story starts and ends, but there's this vague middle ground in act two, which is the longest act. It's gonna be twice as long usually as the other two at least. That takes up the majority of your story, where a lot of stories honestly, unfortunately, go to die but yours doesn't have to. Sequences can help you through that. And what a sequence is, is essentially, it's like an adrenaline uh, burst that you shoot into your script. Just imagine the scene from Pulp Fiction, you just slam the adrenaline in, keep the character going. And that actually happens in act two, so it's a perfect example there um, in Pulp Fiction. Um, but essentially, you want to create a sequence of events that are going to follow a, a very brief narrative arc. It may, in a, in a screen time sense, take maybe 10 to 15 minutes to complete. In your story, if you're writing a book, it could just be a span of a few chapters. But essentially, in those chapters, in that scene, in those scenes, they typically take place in one area. It doesn't have to, or maybe just be centered on one central um, conflict or idea that's going to be resolved in some way by the end. Um, but ultimately, your goal is just to inject your story with a couple sequences where we're following the characters through a particular um, set of events, um, all tied together. Again, still vague. So let me try to give you an example. Uh, the one we used in class was honestly really helpful. Um, it was in the movie Little Miss Sunshine. And in the scene, in this sequence, it's focused on um, a scene. I won't spoil it, but there's a character who dies. And the family, which if you, if you know the movie, they're, they're on this cross-country trip. So now this character has died. They have to stop. They, take, they, they go to the hospital, um, uh, find out he, he didn't make it, and they have to figure out what they're going to do next. Now they've crossed state lines. They find out in this scene that... Um, they have to get the body back home. They can't just leave it at the hospital and come pick it up later, but they have to get to where they're going in, I think, like 24 hours or less. So they can't just turn back now. They got to keep going. Um, but they also can't leave the body behind and they can't... Um, and they can't let it and they can't let it stay overnight at this hospital across state lines. They have to do all the paperwork and get it back home. I think that's how the setup works. Regardless, the point is they, they they're kind of stuck. 
And so this whole 10 to 15 minute sequence is them realizing they're stuck. That's act one. Act two is them trying to figure out what to do next and fighting with the nurse and, and arguing with each other and ultimately coming to the really rash decision. Let's just steal the body and run and, and drive it across state lines, which is illegal. Um, but they go and they do that anyway and they sneak it out the window and your act three is them trying to pull off this this body heist and get them in the car and go. And it's just one 10 to 15 minute sequence of events all takes place inside the hospital. And by the end of it, they've run off and um, into the sunset. You move on to a next sequence. And so, and so that all fits within just a section of act two, but it's a nice little adrenaline rush. It's they're faced with a new problem. They solve it within 15 minutes. You get your act one, act two, act three, and you feel like you watched like a mini movie, an episode, an episode in the story in that span of time. And that kind of gives you that small sense of completion. So you're not just slugging to the end. Um, it's a good way to break up your story. If it's just feeling like a bunch of independent scenes, you know, two characters talk at the coffee shop, then the next scene, they're somewhere else working on the case. And then they're at the crime scene and then they're back at base figuring things out. And the sequence, you spend a lot of time in just one location or maybe a few locations, but they're centered around one smaller sort of side issue that that's holding them up from finishing the main quest um don't try to get too side questy try to avoid things like a fetch quest like oh i'll give you this if you give me that that's for video games um, but if you can come up with a really compelling obstacle that fits the theme the tone of your story and challenges the characters in a way that they need to be challenged to get to the end that's the perfect setup it, it works so well in Little Miss Sunshine because it faced all the characters with A, a big tragedy, but B, more importantly, it made them have to do things they were not normal, they, they, they wouldn't have done in the first scene. And it shows that they're starting to change and evolve because the one character who incites them to steal the body is the dad who is, as you watch the movie, the least likely to break the law or do anything wrong. He's trying to keep everybody straightforward and focused on, uh, he doesn't even want to go to this event, you know, but this is a big change in his character and that he's so motivated to go and to see this through for his daughter that he's willing to break the law and throw a dead body in his car <laughs> and everybody goes along with it which is also important because you get to see the family come together in this moment so um, again highly recommend that movie because it's great it's it's great screenwriting 101 storytelling 101 definitely would recommend a watch um, but that hopefully encapsulates it. Um, you can find, if, if you do read my book, I do hope you do, if you read Trouble in the Floating City, you'll see, uh, I, I want to say there's two really focused sequences. Usually the chapters are pretty much independent scenes, but the two that stand out to me are the ones that kind of span a couple um, chapters, and that would be the scene at the Sphere, when they go, the Sphere is a club, they go to the club, and a lot of elements happen in that club. A lot of fake-outs, um, a lot of drama, um, and it, it escalates the story while kind of telling a smaller arc that just takes place in this one location. And you have a couple story beats that give you your sort of act one setup. They get there. Act two, they're in trouble and things are going wrong. Act three, they have the kind of the rug pulled from under them. I won't tell you how, but um, it's, it's, it's just a fun sequence. And it's the moment to me where the story really sets off into act two. Um, so I guess that's kind of an act one example. Um, and then the other one would be when they go to what's called the place at the edge of the moon. I don't want to spoil too much about that, but they are in one location for a couple scenes. And there's a lot of mystery there and a lot of uh, kind of unseen danger and them trying to puzzle things out. So it's them tr basically trying to solve a big puzzle of 
uh, or, or answer the question, can we trust these people that we've just met for the first time? And as you go through, that question gets answered in hopefully a very satisfying way that, that's uh, where all the tension gets really tightened up for an act three moment that's you know still happening before the actual act three takes place, that the, the climax of the story is still a few chapters away. So you just get this kind of boost in adrenaline um, as you're getting toward the end of act two and prepping for that big climactic battle. Um, and that gives it a little bit of time to breathe. I will say one mistake I made in that book is not giving you enough time to breathe in between that and the, and the finale. Um, but take my advice, take my mistakes there and um, try to find ways to apply them to your work. You'll probably make a few mistakes yourself along the way. That's fine. As long as you keep writing and keep trying uh, different ways. So, um, so those are my big tips. Um, hopefully they made sense to you. My recommendation, apply some sequences to your story. You probably already have some and you just didn't define them that way. Look for where they are and see if that's like the best place to put them. Um, those can be really fun for your story. Um, reduce exposition, apply perspective to how you describe the things that you describe and be, be uh, um, what's the word, judicious in the details that you choose to highlight. Make sure that they're highlighting really important elements of your character, your plot, your world, your conflict, things like that. If it's just accessory, the dog has a bow in its hair, and nobody cares. You don't need that unless the bow is of real significance to the plot. Maybe it has some kind of important device clipped onto it or something. If the, if the bow doesn't matter, let, let the reader let their, um, use their imagination. Um, always avoid too much detail there. That'd be, I guess, my last tip. Cut back things that really don't affect the plot because if you're too specific about what color everything is and how everything looks and how it's shaped, you know, that's going to take away from your story. Um, it's going to take away the imaginative part that the, uh, the reader gets to apply. Let them imagine what color it is, what size it is and stuff. You know, it only matters if the size and scale of the thing is important. Um, if it's just any other, you know, if they're going to a specific location, it's the biggest tower in the city, maybe that's important. If it's just another building, we don't need to know the size or what it's built out of unless uh, those things lend themselves to letting you know uh, a little more context to it. You know, let, if, if, it's a, if it's a hovel or something, let us know that. But if it's just a general place, you don't need to go crazy on the description. Focus on the things that are important. Maybe there's some shady characters inside. Maybe that better sets the tone. Find the things that really set the tone. Focus on those. I keep getting sidetracked here. Hopefully all my advice has helped you out there. So cut some introductions in your work. Analyze the perspectives. Make sure your scenes really follow a strong perspective. Apply some sequences. Find ways to reduce your exposition and, and sprinkle it into the action rather than just dumping it in any one section. And I think your stories are going to be a lot more fun. So those are my tips for writing more engaging material. Hopefully those help and hopefully have a lot of a lot of cool ideas coming out of this to take into your own writing. I will see you next time, and thanks for listening to The Mediocre Writer.